This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good morning. It's good to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, the sun's starting to shine outside. I wasn't supposed to do that today. I needed that blessing, Dane. Thank you. Um, well, I tell you, I had a lot of thoughts go back and forth through my mind on what I was going to share this morning, and some through some recent events and things that have been revealed to me, and uh, things I've heard about some people I care about greatly. I just between that and uh, the struggles that we all faced day to day. And just the turmoil we see in the world, I felt it on my heart to uh, kind of finish the other half of the message I gave last time. Last time I spoke on um, how Satan chooses our mind to battle us and try to defeat us. And um, the last thoughts on that that I just didn't want to get into that it might cover up the previous thoughts, I thought I'd... uh, since this has been in my heart, I thought I'd finish that up with y'all this morning. I was kind of afraid it might be a little redundant, but I started thinking about the Lord gives us some of some of us a spirit to watch and warn. And uh, if I warned you against the wiles of the devil every time I stood up here, it wouldn't be a waste of time. Um, I thought the best way to possibly reveal to myself how Satan gets into our mind is how he first came into our lives, right? So I wanted to look at Genesis, the third chapter. I believe there's something in this message for everybody, all ages, so if you youngsters will be sure and listen to me, I won't make you listen long. I'll make a deal with you. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. What I want to do is just go down through here piece by piece. I prayed for a lot of insight on this from the Lord and to help me realize and see what what is the tactic that he's using. You can see one right out of the right out of the gate here. It says that uh, this word subtle here, it means crafty and sneaky, cunning, sly, intriguing. Satan knew he needed to be those things, so he chose that way to approach. And the, the uh, tactic that we can see through this is that he knows how to reveal himself to us. When, where, and how. Whichever, whichever his victim is at the time, whomever he's trying to devour, He knows exactly how to reveal himself, how he's going to show up. He's not going to bust in the room and make his presence known. He's going to be subtle, always disguised. If you're looking for the man in the red jumpsuit with the pitchfork, you're going to miss him, right? He also never announces that I'm here to destroy your life, right? That's not the tactic he's going to use. It may even seem safe to us, 
It's interesting to us when we read this that she's talking to a snake. It seems awful, weird to us, you know. And there's some people that say that that could be metaphorical. We just don't 100% know, I don't think. But the reality of it is, nothing was off to her. Everything that God had created up to that point was good. There was nothing wrong. Nothing simped out of place. Nothing was warning situations. Didn't feel like it was coming up. Just having a conversation. Satan chooses things that will appeal to us and may seem just completely harmless to break his way into our mind. 2 Corinthians 11 and 3 says that he deceived Eve from being cunning. Now, on down in verse 14, he says, he disguises himself as an angel of light. Something that looks good, seems good, seems safe. It could be an old friend or a, a new phone or a new app on that phone that's a time waster. You know, it can be any sort of thing. I, th- I think he revealed himself to me through a bacon cheeseburger pizza last night. <laughs> I'm on my second week of this diet, and I stand before you deceived twice. It seems really silly, but if you think about when you're trying to get rid of this, and you're trying to do right, and you're trying to do better, and you're trying to accomplish things, it's actually a perfect analogy. I put the box away. Got my head back in God's word and then went back to the refrigerator. Because he's just tap dancing on that box, you know. Just simple, simple things in life. If we take the time to look at it, we see that he's everywhere. And in little ways he tries to infiltrate into our life. We must always be mindful of this and watching for him to do so. Ephesians 4 and 27 tells us to give him no opportunities in our life. I believe some translations read, don't give place to him. Don't open the door to him. He doesn't need to. We have, we, it, life's tough enough without giving him opportunity. Our first line of defense, I believe, in, in trying to defeat Satan in, in these tactics is to recognize him right out of the gate. James 4 and 7 says to resist him and he'll flee from you. So the best time to resist is obviously going to be when he first shows up, if we're watching. He goes on to say, and he, he goes on to say here that he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? It's interesting because Satan knows exactly what, 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 he, what God said. He knows what God's word is. That's why he tempted Jesus with it in the wilderness. He knows God's word. He knows that we know it. His goal here was not a reminder, a friendly reminder It was to get them to question, to start thinking about God's word in a different way. If I can get get them to look at it at a different angle, did he really mean this? Is that what he said about this? A different perspective? Perhaps I could get them to believe a little bit differently or think they maybe misunderstood him. We see that all around us in the world. The way that people have misunderstood God's word and even in our Worshiping God and trying to live a Christian life, the things that Satan has allowed us to twist and misunderstand. 
Verse 2 says, The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. This is a clear tactic that Satan wants us to feel like perhaps God's just withholding something from us. It's another way he wants to get into your mind. There's just some things he doesn't want you to have. Not because they're bad for you or not good for you, but because he's God and he says no. That's the, that's the seed he's trying to sow. To make you think about what God's purpose is in keeping us to abstain from certain things. If he can get you to not remember all the freedoms, right? Everything that they could do, all the grace he shows us every day, if he can get you to not focus on that and think about the few things that he told them not to do, the one thing in this case, then he can steal what God was trying to accomplish. The picture to us is that child in Walmart buggy surrounded in a buggy full of blessings from their parents, right? There's milk and juice and snacks and... Maybe even a toy, but the kid's melting down because of what? Something else. It wanted. And all of Walmart knows about it. We've seen that. The parents are blessing that child with everything that they need, and the child's upset about one little thing it didn't receive. The serpent says in verse 4 to the woman, You surely will not die. This is a very strong tactic he uses in our life. What he wants to do is remove the thought of consequence. Right? Get us to question God's promises about consequences. Make us think that nothing could ever happen, right? You can never get caught. You can get away with it anytime. You can quit anytime. No one would ever know. You're bigger or stronger. It can never affect your health or give you a disease. You can always just not do it in the future. It's a sense of that he's trying to get across to you that God's not truthful, right? Which really is not, he said you're going to die, but you're not going to. He's, he's, he's making God out to be a liar. Just feel free to play around with it, enjoy yourselves, but we know what happens when you play with sin, it ends up playing back with you. We start out in control of it, and the next thing you know, it's in control of us. And all of a sudden, you're completely buried in consequences that Satan convinced you you would never face. And all can be avoided if we understand that this is a tactic that he's going to use to get into our mind, as he did here. Verse 5 says, For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. 
and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. <clears throat> I see a couple of tactics that he's using here to appeal to us, appeal to her. One of them is creating this desire to be different, right? Like there's something missing in you. Like you're not able to even see yet, right? Dwelling up a desire inside of them that somehow, again, God's holding, withheld something from me. Perhaps to deceive you into thinking that God didn't get it right with you. That you're flawed in some way. That he didn't knit you in his mother's womb for exactly who you are. That you weren't fearfully and wonderfully made. If you just do this, then you could really experience life. Right? If only you were this way, then you'd really know. When, we're, when we have God in our life, we're exactly the way he wanted us to be. We went to this cross-country race Saturday to see my nieces run. I saw the coolest thing. Uh, we'd stayed late, a little late to visit, and the boys' race was going on. And this kid was being led around with about a two-foot piece of string. He was blind running a cross-country race. It was really amazing. It was a really powerful thing to see and just so touching, you know. And sad and terrible as that is, you just have to see the glory of God and realize that there's no mistakes, you know. Things happen. Things are tragic. Things are awful. But there are no mistakes. I have... I don't need to tell any of all of this, but I have terrible ADD. You know, it's just, I've struggled with it in my life. My wife would say, maybe sometimes I'll get it under control. <laughs> Most of the time not. It's not that big of a thing, but, you know, you, it, can, it, it can just get discouraging. But the beauty in it is, is when I look at, <laughs> look at the, the challenges that that gives you, it, it also is what blesses you. You know, because you, you, you have to learn to focus differently than other people do. And it makes you pay attention to things differently. It just does. You see things differently. And I think about how it, it's, it's, Satan wants me to see that as a weakness in my life. But it's not. It's, there are no weaknesses when you have God to bless you through them. It makes you think of the verse that, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Every weakness you have is an opportunity for God to show his strength. What is it? Psalm 84. No good thing, right? Is withheld from you if you walk in Christ. Walk uprightly. We all have our issue. We do. We all have our things. Satan, as he did here, he wants you to feel this desire to be, ah, something's just, boy, I could be so much better, you know? If only this or only that. 
It's a way he gets into our mind. The second tactic he used here was to appeal to her, her uh, and our desire to be in charge, right? Be like God. Be the one that calls the shots. To know, know everything, do things our way. When we want, how we want, what we want. Be in control of your whole, of your of everything. You make the decisions. It's the way he wants to get into our mind. We see it from the very youngest age. We don't like being told what to do. We don't. Kids do not like to brush their teeth or make their beds or clean their rooms. And then as they get a little older, they they don't need you because they now know everything. And then we get a little bit older and we don't need God because we think we know everything. Right? I can't, there was a, it popped in my head on the way here this morning. It was a cartoon. It's been years and years and years ago. It was a movie. I don't remember what it was, but the premise was all these kids like lose their parents. (laughs) And the town just goes berserk. I mean, you know, they're eating all the candy they want, you know, they're, they're running around lighting things on fire, and they make it till supper before they start crying. <laughs> They've got belly aches and toothaches and all this stuff, and there's not a parent around, right? To me, it's just a beautiful reminder of the, of the facts. You, you need your parents. You do. They're right. They're so wrong in so many ways, but they're right. And you'll need them the rest of your life. Just like we need God. And if you don't have parents, you need somebody. The fact that we could be God in our life is a lie that Satan himself doesn't believe. He's been trying to be God for thousands upon thousands of years. And he can't do it and he never will. Because nobody's good at being God but God. And nobody ever will be. It's a, high, it's a higher thought of self that Satan's trying to get us to believe about ourselves. <laughs> a lot of y'all, I know, have probably heard this story, but some of the kids wouldn't know it. But there was a great boxer named Muhammad Ali, and he was taking a flight somewhere, and the stewardess told him to buckle his seatbelt. And he told her that Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. And she told him that Superman doesn't need a plane either, so buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> it's just, it's funny how tough we can think we are. Times in life we can think we have things under control, but they control us. In First John, the second chapter... Verse 16 tells us that all is in the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all these things are not of God. We know that all sin can be wrapped up into those categories. And in verse 6, he uses every single one of them against her. So that when, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from the fruit and ate. 
That's the most common way he tries to reveal himself to us, tries to get into our mind. Things that just look so good, or that would taste so good, feel so good. Things that would boost our ego, right? I'd be so wise. I could really go far in life. You know, another thing you notice if you look into it is he was able to get her to only see the good, right? Only the good that was going to come from it. Only what she would enjoy. Focus on your desire and your enjoyment, right? Not consequences, because remember, there are none of those, right? You're not going to die. Nothing bad will ever happen. I was thinking about how, how terrible... Um, some of these cities have become with these drug addicts and homeless people. I was thinking about at some point those people will wake up in this world today and they will have become not even valuable to society anymore. Living a life that's so far away from what God intended it to be And it's all because at some point they focused on something they thought would be good. And they kept trying to see that good until there was none left to see it. We have to be careful that Satan doesn't appeal to us in this way. To only see the good in things. That can happen through a a new job that's more money but more hours, right? A new house, new car, fine young man, fine young woman. To not be able to look to God's word for wisdom and realize what could this turn into? Where can this lead? Is Satan in this? Is God in that? Are they both in it? If we take the time to wait on the Lord... In these situations, we can give him time to reveal the truth to us. And realize that Satan does give us opportunities in life. And he works for those opportunities. A way to just make our life, all our hopes and dreams, finally come true. She took from the from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Last tactic we see him use here is the powerful tactic that Satan loves to use against us, and that is our influence, right? The power of our influence, something that I feel God blessed us with the power to do, and Satan tries to turn it around. We can influence someone positively by going into the world where they just don't have an influence, right? We can influence each other here. Satan wants to Use both places for, the, for his will in our life.
We have to always be mindful of that. The answer is not to stay away from anyone that's bad. That's not true. <laughs> we have to have those moments in life. The answer is to always make our, our influence a positive one. I say there's a blessing in every curse. Well, Dane's been cursed to work with me for the last few weeks. So I've been blessed to work with him. But in all seriousness, you know, every day is challenging. And whatever days I'm kind of crabby, he seems to be zippy. And times where he's not feeling really good, I'm usually feeling pretty good. It's really amazing how just one person to tell you, hey, this is zoom out. Come on, it's fine. Everything's cool. Right? God's good. Let's pray. <laughs> it's just amazing. It really is an amazing tool that God, God has given to us. And Satan, if we're not careful, will use that same tool against us. The craziest thing when I was praying through these verses, trying to see the true tactic that was going on, the, the real meaning of what he was doing, not just skimming over it. I just kept thinking about how short it is. The power of what went on in those few verses. All the heartache, all the pain, all the funerals you've ever been to and will ever go to. Every load of rocks you've had to haul in the wheelbarrow and bad insulation you've put in an attic and holes you've dug. Briar patches you've cleared out. All of it because of this one thing. Just a brief moment in time. It just, God's really trying to put it on my heart that that's exactly the same way it still works. He's still up to the same exact game. He still tries to play it with us every single day. We went to, uh, I'm not big on sports, but that little town, Cedarville, has an amazing football team this year, and we've been going to some games. And it's so fun to watch them because those young men, they, they take a lot of time and effort watching games, learning this guy's plays, the, the, who, who's strong here, who's strong there. And it's just amazing what they're able to do when they get it right on that one sweet play and it just goes nowhere. Or they get it right on the next one and he finds that hole and gets those legs pumping and you're not going to touch him. And all that happens because of taking the time and the effort to study the opposite team. That's how they do it. They pay attention to what's going on in the plays that they run, and that's how they conquer it. They say if you, if you want something different out of life, you've got to be willing to do things you've never done. And to me, I just, I've never taken this that seriously. To really pay attention and focus on every little thing that comes up in my life and realize, is this Satan trying to get in my head? I know that he does get in my head, but that's why this message to me finished the thought. It's because if you pay attention and know how he's going to try to do it, it's the same way he tried to do it here. It's the way he... Think about what he did in this brief moment in time. <laughs> 
all the sin and sorrow in the world brought in in one, one time. And you don't think that he wouldn't realize that he can do that to you on a daily basis. And he does. And he tries. But if you watch and you pay attention and you memorize what he's doing, you've got his game plan right there. If you just pay attention. No, this is exactly the kind of thing that the enemy does. This is exactly the way he wins games. If you do that, you're reading his plays and you wad him up. Right? I love watching those plays where they just read it and there's just a ball of <laughs> jerseys. Like they, didn't, they didn't have a chance. They didn't have a chance. And the sweetest thing is those plays where they read that play and they're just gone. Can't, nobody can catch them. Nobody can touch them. It's the power of knowing the opponent, right? And I've never been as serious about that as I should have been. In Genesis 4 and 7, God tells Cain that sin is crouching at your door and desires to have you. Well, it couldn't be more true for everybody here, for all of us. It, Satan desires to have it. And I've seen some devouring happen in people's lives, and it's tragic. Things that go down in people's lives because they weren't paying attention. The simplest little thing could have stopped all of it if you had your head on right. The amazing thing is what God says at the end of that. He says, but you must rule over it. And if God tells you you must do something, it means you can do it, right? I find great power in that, knowing that it can be done. And I feel like a great tactic force moving forward is to keep these thoughts in mind that the way, the way Satan originally tried to infiltrate into what God made us to be, and he's still trying to do it today. I just hope the message has blessed you in some way and that can make you stronger against the wiles of the devil in the future. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.